This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have another choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're disappearing without a fucking trace as we watch <gasps> Spine 133 in the Criterion Collection, George Schluzer's The Vanishing from 1988. But first, RJ, how, mm. how, how were the mountains? The mountains? Uh, they were big and they were round, but not that big. Were they that made... John Denver's full of shit. Uh-huh. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah, I was up in the mountains, up in BC, went to uh, this wedding deal. This uh, somewhat fancy, formal, somewhat rustic outdoor wedding that was a mix between wearing tuxedos and then also going on ski lifts to be at the top of the mountain Mm -hmm. for the ceremony. And then I was in the wedding party and uh, it it entailed a a nice brief stroll through the woods (laughs) uh, in our fancy clothes. But hey, it was a rental, baby. It wasn't my (laughs) shoes that was getting all dusty. You know what I mean? Uh, So I... yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty good. Uh, my sister got married, so I went to a wedding. Saw some family, saw some cool people. That mm-hmm. was good. They had uh, uh, they had this food like at the they had food uh, at the <laughs> wedding. There was um one of the dishes was this tortellini with cheese on it. Fuck man, it was good. <laughs> I love tortellini. Do you like tortellini? Uh, we've had this conversation before and about uh, tortellini. Yeah, I think so. Uh, like how I, often I, I, do I, I talk about I, food? Uh, I sometimes. I think I'm not sure if it's been on the air or not, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the tortellini. You are a fucking yeah, animal. and I think that's what you said last time too. So, like my favorite, what my dad used to do all the time, because he was like a single a single dad that would like work all the time and then come home and scramble to make food when we were there he would always get like a pack of tortellini and alfredo sauce and then like one of those rotisserie chickens from safeway and that's like that's so comforting to me that meal that i make it all the time and andrew is always like look at your uh like single dad dinners and i'm like you got <laughs> goddamn right I'm like this is the best dinner on the world in the world she admits so when she eats it she says this is pretty good it's pretty good wow so anyways, uh, there was also prime rib there. And here's a hot take for you. I think prime rib is overrated. No, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. It's, People are it's super fine. hot on it. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like because you get a slice that's as big as your fucking head. Yeah. But the only part you can eat is like a, like not even a third of it because the rest is just fat. fat. So I think prime rib is overrated. Uh, at the midnight lunch, they had pizza and poutine, which Ooh. is pretty cool. They had a donut wall. That was pretty good. A do- uh, I got- Pardon? A donut wall? They had this, like, so the place that we were at, like, specializes in weddings. So they have this donut thing. It was, like, a big wall, and there were all these, like, pegs sticking out of it, and they hung all the donuts on it. Oh, my God. Which seemed a little out there, but uh, they were actually high-quality donuts. Fuck, that so. sounds awesome. Uh, the, I had one. It was an Earl Grey tea donut because it looked like an Oreo thing. And I was like, "Ooh, what's that?" And then I, I had it. I was like, "I don't know what this is." And then Andrea took a bite. She's like, "It's Earl Grey." And I was like, "God damn, you got a delicate palate." Were you were you uh fucked up at that point? Not yet. Uh, I got <laughs> pre- pretty uh pretty pickled. Yeah, to say the least. I was uh shattered, as mm-hmm. the kids say. So when's that? When's that going to play out? When are you going to be done being shattered uh, on a weekend here? Because I think we were talking about this, and I mean, you kind of got a problem. I mean, it's I been think, a, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll lay it out like this. I think next weekend will be the last one. Right. And then uh, I'll be busy with the school for until a year from now, and because uh, it'll get way busier. That's one thing I. 
it's busier than I thought it would be. So I guess that's a egg on my face. It's not a slam dunk, easy peasy yeah. stroll. I didn't think it would be that, but uh, it's it's definitely way busier than I thought it would be. Just just time, you know. Mm-hmm. Just takes a lot of time. But yeah, the wedding was good. I got real hammered. I was drinking white Russians, which uh, <laughs> everyone was giving me shit for. They're like, "What oh. are you drinking, milk?" I was like, "It's a white Russian, baby." You just you, just like uh, the big Lebowski or Jeff yeah. Lebowski, played by everyone's favorite Jeff Bridges, who's Jeff- ne- never oh, had gosh. a bad performance in a movie ever. No, he's a high quality actor. Why would he take a bad role or give a bad performance? Exactly. But the, no, I was drinking those. I, I think they're super refreshing, even on like a hot summer day, because it's just like an iced coffee. People drink those fucking year round, so I don't see what the problem is. But even though I was getting shit all night, by the end of the night, I saw like eight other people drinking like paralyzers and like uh, white Russian type deals. Mm. So uh, that bar went through a lot of milk, I bet. They oh. probably weren't expecting that. Yeah, it's a real, that's really strong in the guts, too. Yeah, I had to stop after like four, four or five because I was getting some pretty heavy gas. Some some cramps. Yeah, so I just switched to, uh, you know, the clear liquids and uh, that put me smooth sailing for the rest of the night. It just burnt burnt it all out. Yeah, well, it blew out pretty good, let me tell you. But yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Actually, so I had a talk with a guy, Jared, about movies. This dude, uh, he's like a cousin. He married a cousin of mine. And uh, he he was talking to me and he was like, he's like, hey, have you ever seen UHF? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, hey, RJ. And I was like, there it is. Uh, <laughs> and he, he was just like, every time I see you, I want to say it. And I was like, that's funny. I was like, a friend that I do a podcast with, him and his buddy, uh, they're really big in a Weird Al too. And so we were talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my cousin came up and they were talking about, they were asking like what we talk about on the podcast a lot. And I was like a lot of horror, a lot of like criterions, all that junk. And, uh, my cousin was talking about, she's like, I don't like horror because when I was little, I saw a movie where a werewolf during the transformation, they were doing push-ups, and she said it re- was really off putting and they never forgot about it. We think it could have been an American werewolf, but, uh, yeah, the, the, because the... it's kind of like that, but, but we brought that up and she's like, no, I don't think that's it. I think it's a movie where a, a guy is turning into a werewolf, but doing push-ups at the same time. So here, here's my, uh, my call to you and to all the creeps out there. Try to find a movie where a dude's doing push-ups. Well, so like, cause like an American werewolf in London, like he is like on his arm, his forearms are down during the transformation, yeah. which like if you were young and you don't remember that. It could have looked like a push-up. Yeah, it would look push up yeah. Well, see, that's what we thought, but uh, but we weren't sure. So I, I I said, you know what? Let me give it to my guy. Let me see what he can work with it. My, see if my we can werewolf dig up, guy. My werewolf guy. See if we can uh, dig up anything else on these wolfmans. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, that would be my guess. And like, I mean, I think I've seen most of the werewolf movies that mm-hmm. you would kind of see. So I can't think of anything else it could be. That's that would be well, my gambit. So maybe uh, send that person a, a link to the werewolf transformation from American Werewolf in London. Say, is this it? Is this it? Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Okay. But anyways, how are you? Uh, what's up with uh, you and your your jerk face? Oh, uh, I don't know. Dangerously close to being a homeowner. So that sucks. Yep. The, you know what really sucks is uh, <laughs> if if things all fall into place, I'm going to be moving in October. My favorite month of the entire year, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's that's gonna pack in boxes and shit with my spare time. Mm-hmm. It's gonna maybe uh, put a, a cut into the that creep toberin. 
Not, yeah, frankly, not a fan of this. Not a fan at all. And I don't yeah. think I don't think I can uh, call upon you know uh, the courts to perhaps delay Halloween, make, put it, plug it into November instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought about that too. No, uh, one of those frankly, uh, non-withstanding clauses I've been hearing all yeah. about. You say, hey, just make something happen this one time. It's all I ask. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I, I blame your own sloth and uh, vanity in uh, your house hunting. Um, but uh, to be honest, this I was talking pretty tough like a week ago, but uh, this could be one of the worst Creeptobers in recent history. Yeah, and I blame I blame activist judges. Yeah, I blame uh, you. <laughs> it, is my, it is my failing. But. Yeah. Well, we're getting older. We're both 13 mm-hmm. now. We got more responsibilities. We can't be watching 70, 80 movies in a month. <sighs> That's lies. I see. We're going to try. I, I, I have noticed there's been a, a big drop off in uh, my my letterboxed people, though, who are watching stuff all the time. They're, mm-hmm. they're definitely watching less than ever. Maybe because life's catching up. Maybe the, yeah. uh, the appeal of like being a real hardcore cinephile and just watching movies all day long, just like, just cause it's taking mm-hmm. garbage into your system constantly, not being mm-hmm. discerning whatsoever. And then suddenly like bad things start becoming good. I don't know. It's not healthy, I guess, mm-hmm. but, um, someone's, probably someone's, someone's got to do it. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll try is, uh, what, what I, what I'm well, saying. I can, we'll I can, I'll, I'll be setting aside my, uh, my movies. I got a TV plugged in till the bitter end. I, I'll set aside, I got, I'll pull, I'll pull your movies. I'll pull mine. Mm-hmm. We always have them on while, uh, sorting and doing other things. Put on some classics yeah. that I've seen before. You mm-hmm. know, you, always a good time to do that. Might have to change it up this year. Do some rewatches. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it might not be the, uh, the breakthrough, uh, hall of famer year that i wanted it to be but you know what maybe it'll be a little different maybe we'll cover some of those classics yeah we'll definitely get 31 each i hope that should be 13 at the very least yes that should be 31 would be very nice i'd like i'd love to go above and beyond but uh if you look at my track record of watching movies lately it's uh Mm. it's it's in the shitter have you even had 13 in the last uh four months Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you not including Vaguely. the not including the criterions, hmm, that's another thing altogether. Yeah, well. yeah, well, well, well. Should we get into this uh, turd? Oh, into this podcast thing? Yeah, sure. Hey, RJ, we got what? email. What from a, a fan of the show, friend of the show, or a, a new friend? Uh, well, we got a friend of the show. Who all Oliver? Oh, uh, nice. He, he wrote in to talk about. Uh, modern comics oh no <laughs> so oliver wrote you might get a kick out of this as you are in the comics world i guess this is directed yep. at me specifically but you too also know the comics vaguely i read a lot yep. of graphic novels but almost no superhero stuff uh, a very few popular series like saga or preacher etc i have mm-hmm. been going to the library heaps as i'm on a budget and i thought i would read superman red sun i've always heard it's one of the better superhero comics check this shit out they're too fucking lazy to write a fake newspaper article. It's just gibberish. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw this, RJ. Maybe I can send it mm-hmm. your way right now. And, yeah, hit uh, me up and, and keep talking about it. Yeah, so have you read Red Sun? No, I know all about Red Sun, though. That's uh, Mark Millar, right? That is Mark Millar uh, writing that story where uh, Superman, his uh, ship from Krypton when he was launched when he was a baby, instead mm-hmm. of landing in Smallville... Kansas, it lands in Russia. 
Soviet Russia. Soviet Russia, and they're able to develop Superman to become a good, uh, good comrade, and mm-hmm. uh, so it basically helps uh, Russia to, like take over the world. Uh, and there's like neat scenes where you get like, uh, whatever you want to call, it. I don't want to say Cossack, but like you get like mm-hmm. KGB Batman, who's like kind of uh, plotting to like get rid of this bad Superman dude. So you get he gets, he's got goggles and the little hat and stuff. You got Wonder Woman. Uh, it's been a while since I've read that, but uh, I don't know. It like I remember the ending is pretty interesting. It it actually makes it's like the best part probably of the comic, and it's actually uh the the story always goes that it was uh Grant Morrison who was like he wrote the third issue with Mark Miller and basically came up with the idea. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of a time travel idea. But uh, anyway, it, oh, I got your gibberish here. Yeah, yeah, you just read it. It's and not it a. Is, it is. Like it's slices. With- it's just jumbled letters and like numbers and stuff like that. And then every now and then it says Metropolis. Metropolis Harbor, and uh, and that's it. And then but it's just like A A S D F L. It's just like complete keyboard slamming. It's not even that like Latin text that block yeah. text that they use to like fill in things when you're laying out books. It is just yeah. like copy and paste, copy and paste. Yeah, it's, that's so um, my my yeah. comment there is why even bother just do a squiggle line. Yeah. Why that, put why put real letters at all? This is true. Just do a squiggle. You ever seen one of those squiggles? I I, I know I know the squiggle. I've I've done that in my fair share in my life. Yeah, you are a squiggler. I am a that's squiggler. What, uh, that's what all the girls say. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a a Seinfeld bit right now coming on. He's a squiggler. Yeah. So uh, what else you got to say about Red Sun? Uh, that's about it. Uh, yeah. It's it, I remember being okay, but like I said, it's probably been. 15 years whenever whenever it came out i probably read it sometime after in collection because at the time i was really not into superhero comics much like our uh our friend oliver mentioned but uh yeah hey uh if people are looking for modern comic recommendations i could probably come up with a few but uh i won't bore people if they don't care <laughs> so if you want it let us know yeah they won't they won't Hardly anyone does. Oliver did, though, so yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I never read it. Uh, it was on my list for a long time. It was just one of those ones I, I never got. Actually, I think for a while I was doing that comiXology thing, and they always used to have, like, mega sales. I think I got it for, like, 50 cents one time on there, but mm-hmm. uh, it just sat there forever. Uh, and so, RJ, I don't know if you've been following our YouTube page. Oh, we, what we, happened? We, we, we've got a, a listener, a begrudging mm-hmm. listener, apparently, uh, who's, who's making some comments uh, on a couple of our videos. They're uh, big fans of yours. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Am I going to get really mad here? Yeah, probably. What so, did they say? So first of all, uh, uh, on her episode here uh, covering The Third Man, mm-hmm. are you guys Canadian? Also bubbly? The film is not some bubbly precursor to Seinfeld. Also, Seinfeld itself is pretty dark comedy. The Third Man is a dark, beautifully shot film noir that compares the New World American psyche with the older, jaded European psyche that has just gone through a brutal war. Joseph Cotton's character represents American naivete, being confronted with the brutality of reality. Wells' character is basically committing evil acts for selfish gain, which horrifies the innocence of Cotton's character. The this, zither this score is ironic, underscoring the jaded, opportunistic, damaged people post-war. The film l- leads up to Holly confronting Lyme. The monologue of immortality and selfish that Lime gives in the Ferris wheel is grim. I think of Larvon Trier's Europa as telling a similar story. So that's not so bad. 
Uh, no, that's on not so to, bad. Onto the comment left on the most listened to episode uh, oh, in, in no. Criterion Creeps podcast history, Salo. That's be it downloaded off of SoundCloud or on YouTube. It just uh-huh. keeps on powering through. Uh, the same uh, person wrote, Ugh, why do I keep listening to these reviews? RJ sounds like such a boring bro with mm. no context for films. Dude sounds like someone who needs to stick to the blockbuster hits and not give review of art cinema on YouTube. This film is a metaphor for fascism. It's not supposed to be entertaining like, say, Spider-Man or some shit. It's supposed to be grotesque and confrontational. Uh, yeah. Any, anything else? That's it. That's all. Maybe they stopped listening. Maybe they found out this isn't the podcast for them. I don't know. Maybe they are still listening. Maybe they just oh, don't realize baby. how much they need this podcast in their life and how much they really love you. Um, I don't know. RJ, thoughts? Any responses here? This is like well-trotted ground of uh, this people. This is well-trotted ground. People who aren't fans ground. of our uh, our jib Um that, like I guess we don't lay it out at the every episode that like this is kind of like it's us giving our honest thoughts on uh, the much celebrated mm-hmm. Ballyhooed uh, Criterion Collection and like giving our honest responses without necessarily uh, you know subscribing to uh, traditional takes of what these movies are. We're trying to be honest. We're keeping it real. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try. I tend to maybe sometimes side with that conventional view of a movie and defenses of things that are not necessarily like super entertaining because they're not mm-hmm. meant to be entertaining. Um, but I mean, that's kind of what we're here for to give honest responses. Cause most people just otherwise kind of parrot these things. Um, mm-hmm. it's just like glancing at letterbox reviews of how people talk about things. And it's kind of like what it is, but it's not honest. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, Jarrett, yeah. As always, I feel like I'm the target here. Mm-hmm. And as always, referring back to that infamous review we got on the 400 blows, <laughs> where I was also called into check about uh, my background for context for films. And uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If I need to take a history lesson to appreciate a film, then I don't think it, it's very successful. Yes, there are some films where knowing what the background is may help your enjoyment or understanding of that film. But if you need to do a lot of homework before you watch a movie just to fucking understand it or even to enjoy it in any way, not even to understand it. Like that person was saying it was like, oh, it's a metaphor for fascism. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I still don't like it. Yeah, though. there's another comment that's like, I don't know. I, I think that Salo episode, I think, was a interesting take about that type of film. Not necessarily this talking about the film necessarily yeah. as, like, addressing those things. Because I think those things are pretty obvious. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, that's what, exactly what this is. And you can't say, you have to like it. Because it's about fascism. It's like, yeah. that, like, so what? There's, like, lots of movies about Nazis are about that. Or, like, fucking Mussolini. It's just like, mm-hmm. so what? Make a movie about it. Lots of people make movies about it. This is just yep. one of them that we have to watch, and we're going to talk about it. And, oh, shit, these people are eating plates of poop and raping each other. It's like, so <laughs> mm-hmm. there's ways of talking about those things without that. But, I mean, as I think we covered in that episode, uh, that was Pasolini's intent, was to talk yep. about the making making a movie that's, like, extremely abject to, like, deal with horrifying things. And mm-hmm. 
whether or not that's successful or not is up for debate. And that's because it's all about opinions. They're all opinions. There's no right answers. It's subjective. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway. I I agree. And also, uh, just to go along with that context thing about, or like what they're saying, I always find, or I always thought that my role here was mostly superficial, where it's like first watches for a lot of these movies taking them as they are watching them now with without a lot of background into them or i do know about them or i don't know anything the movie's really good and then it makes me interested in what the context and those uh, like deeper layers are mm-hmm. so there are movies that don't evoke those uh feelings in me such as that one but uh to say that i'm a bro is maybe accurate but to like what, what blockbusters like spider-man yeah uh, what <laughs> people that, really that, big that, on that, other yeah. movies on the youtube it's like lethal, that guy who's like go back weapon, to back to the future lethal and like, oh yeah it's like what are you talking about where yeah. do these movies come yeah, from yeah that's the only movie you're qualified to talk about you fucking idiot i'm so smart i'm posting comments online mm-hmm. oh i love pasolini look how educated i is <laughs> oh <laughs> oh <laughs> and yeah so um anyways thanks for well, your feedback person who's not going to listen to this because you're a youtube person that's so cool I- that's How fun. many other uh, was were those the only two comments? No, those were all, and then they gave up on us. They Good. Really, they called her. Well, qu- they called her quits. That's weird though, because Salo is episode fourteen, and the third man is like thirty or something. Wow. So uh, maybe people people are discovering us all the time. We're, you know, we're climbing up. The subs are climbing. That's true. We're taking, well, you we're know really what? Taking you know what I have off to say? here. Fuck them. Cl- Club creep is the place yeah. to be. Club creep. I say fuck him, Jared. I still think Salo is a bad fucking movie. <laughs> so whatever. I'll take that heat on that. That's the hill I'll die on. I don't care. You all suck for liking that movie. That's what I want to say. How about that? Anyways, hey, RJ. What? <laughs> now that you're in a good mood, not going to hold on to this forever. Uh, what what, what you been creeping on lately? Nothing that will make me forget these uh, negative reviews against my character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will take the high road. I'll choose not to comment to uh, whoever that person is. Mm-hmm. I'll let my actions speak louder. But if I did want to, what I would, the way I would retaliate is much like the movie I watched. Your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. If you know what I mean. This <laughs> is a 70s giallo uh, flick by Sergio Martino. Uh, <laughs> I've seen one movie of his. Uh, I watched it with you. Mm-hmm. It was called 2019 after the fall of New York. Oh, yeah. There was very little chuds in that movie, but uh, it was still entertaining. So this Giallo uh, is based on an Edgar Allan Poe story. I yeah, kind of. Uh, it is about a burnt out writer. Uh, he's kind of like a drunk. He drinks. He has big sex orgies all the time. Uh, he's obsessed with this picture of his mother. He stares at it all the time. He's got a wife that he doesn't really care about, but he raped her at one point. So that was weird. Uh, and then he's like obsessed with the student or maybe the housekeeper. I can't remember. Uh, and then 
someone gets killed is like a former student of his and they think that he had an affair with her which he did but not at the time that she died she died so they think he did it so they're looking at him and he's becoming a little unhinged and his wife is becoming a little unhinged because uh his cat named satan Mm -hmm. uh is attacking her pigeons Mm -hmm. which i think is horseshit birds suck that cat should be allowed to eat all the pigeons he wants (laughs) Uh, and wow. you're just busting out this, uh, uh, campaign against our avian friends. Fuck birds. Wow. Fuck birds. And fuck Salo. That's what I'm going to say here. Um, what else happens? Uh, more people die. They suspect him some more. It's a giallo. It's got twists. It's got turns, baby. It's got a real Edgar Allan Poe ending, which I think is like the ending to a different story of his. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. You'll know the one. Uh, yeah. So I thought this movie was all right. Yeah. Uh, I liked aspects aspects of it. Uh, I thought there were some points that were really good where watching him be drunk and like mope around. I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I liked the cat. He was cool. But yeah. uh, I didn't like when the wife took uh, scissors to the cat uh, in retaliation for eating one of her pigeons. I thought that was horseshit. But I did think it was funny when the husband got a bag of eyeballs and just dropped them on the wife. And he's like, hey, have you seen my cat? <laughs> and it's like, oh, ironic. <laughs> uh, so I think I watched this because I believe you maybe watched it. Uh, you borrowed, a yeah, yeah, you, yeah, a couple years ago I watched this. And I think I was like, this is fine. Um, yep. That was about all. I and think I, I was mostly interested in Satan. the title. And the cat and the cat's awesome. Yeah. So cute. The cat is awesome. And it does have a title that stands out, right? Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh cool. I uh Foxy Lady. Uh, Foxy Lady. Yeah. And so it's alright. It's like okay. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about uh your vice is a, a locked room? No, and like oh, uh, so, yeah, of uh yeah, like I said before, these giallos, they really blur together. Like yeah. I I couldn't like when you're talking about the movie, I'm like, I, I know I've seen it, but I remember the cat, but I don't remember any plot beats at all. And when you're talking about it, I'm like, that's quite possible. But that's the thing with mm-hmm. these movies. And I've said before on those ghoul schools that uh, these are just kind of like, oh, yeah, you watch one, you've seen them all. So people yep. lose their shit over these because they have really good titles. Uh, the photography mm-hmm. in them is good. They're kind of intent. They're, they're, there's a lots of variance in like what could happen in them, even though they're like pretty well the same idea over and over and over again. And only like a handful are like must watches. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Uh, you, you knocked another one out of the out of the list though, finally. How many more you got to go? Of uh, borrowed movies yeah, from, from you? Yeah, from 2017. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven horror films, uh, one anime, uh, one Walter Matthau pick. No, eight horror films. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, I might just hold on to them because if Creeptober is as uh, limp as I think it might be, I might just need to watch these. I was trying to get them done before, but if I'm too busy, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just busy. Hey, you want to hear about another movie? Absolutely. From acclaimed horror director, John Krasinski. You know him from Breakthrough New Horror Film, Blumhouse, maybe. Uh, A Quiet Place. Hey, you know Chanel watched that movie on her uh, own? What she, yeah, what she think? Because neither of us have watched well, that. Well, she said that's a movie for basic bitches. Wow. Uh, you know what else is a movie for basic bitches? The Haulers. The Haulers, one of his, uh, I believe, his second directorial effort. Uh, 
I watched this movie because it was on Netflix and it was an Andy pick, and uh, I didn't really care. Uh, I can't. I think it was right when we got home from BC or something. I was like, throw whatever the fuck you want on. I don't give a shit. So the Hollers is a movie with a star-studded cast. Jared, let me lay it on you. John Krasinski, Margot Martindale, Anna Kendrick, Charlie Day, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, our boy Josh Groban, wow. our personal friend Richard Jenkins. Wow. Creep alumni richard jenkins so they're all in this movie uh oh yeah Shartel copley the south uh, african star yeah. he's in this as well so this movie stars uh john krasinski and he lives in the big city but his mom and dad and brother live back in the hometown and uh he you see he doesn't really like his uh, life he's got a girlfriend who's pregnant anna kendrick and then his mom has a stroke one day uh, his mom is that Margot lady. If you saw her, you'd recognize her. She's in tons of stuff. Uh, dad's Richard Jenkins and his brother, Chantal Copley. Uh, so she has a stroke, so he's got to go back home. And uh, they have a family business that the dad and the brother work in, and it's failing. And he's, like, not happy with his life. He runs into his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, Charlie Day. And it's a series of what I would call, like, kind of comedy misfires and deep emotional like things that don't land i guess so it's supposed to be like one of those comedy dramas where it's like ah something really funny oh those guys are sure goofy together but then it's like oh shit girlfriend's got cancer that's serious uh so there are other movies like um uh, one that's pretty mainstream, like Fifty Fifty, which also yeah. Gordon Levitt. I think that's like, I think that's actually a really great movie, and I think that's a good example of how to do that area right, where it's like kind of super serious but also funny. Uh, I think this one mostly like it was okay. It just, I don't know. There, there's not much depth to it. Like you never really, like you you care that the lady has cancer, but at the same time you're like, I don't really care. You're like, none of these characters are super interesting. Whatever. They're not really funny. Like, a lot of them seem miscast. Like, Charlie Day is playing, like, an asshole in this. And it's like, I can't take Charlie Day as an asshole. He's just a lovable curmudgeon, you know? Not curmudgeon, but, like, you know? You know? A saddled dwarf. Yeah. So, I, I can't take him as, like, the mean guy. Uh, and then, like, Charlotte Copley is playing an American, which, like, he's a good actor and... 85% of the time he's totally believable but he's like sorely miscast in this because there's a lot of times where he has to like do like big emotional scenes and his South African accent just kicks in right and you're like wait a minute this guy's not from uh, Ohio what's going on here so it's it's a mixed bag like it's it's very there <laughs> if you know what I mean yeah I think so. So whatever. I'm not going to talk about the haulers anymore. I'm going to tell you about one last movie, Jared. And I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite movies maybe ever. I watched this with Andrea and there were so many scenes where she would look at it or it would happen. And then she would look at me and she'd be, she was just like, I've discovered all of your secrets because I emulate. And I project so much of this movie in my normal demeanor and character that uh, I forgot about that. It's such a big part of my life. But Andrew's just like, 
I know who you are now. And it was because of this movie that came out in 2002. And I just want to set the scene for you, Jared. This is a movie written by people uh, who wrote movies such as Academy Award film, a winning film, 12 Years a Slave. Academy Award reject, Ben-Hur. Also, uh, the Austin Power movies, mm-hmm. the Boss Baby, Tina Fey movies. Uh, so those are the writers. It was also directed by the man who brought us Scary Movie 5, Barbershop, The Next Cut, and Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. You know what movie I'm talking about, Jared? I do. I'm, I'm sure the audience does not know, though. I'm talking about Undercover Brother, starring my man, Eddie Griffin, my man, Chris Kattan, my man, Denise Richards, and my man, Dave Chappelle. Wow. This is one of the finest movies I think I've ever seen. 16 years old. Guess what? It holds up. Super funny. It's emotional. It's a roller coaster, man. You got ups, you got downs. Uh, it's smart. It's intellectual. It's got deep metaphors, such like Savo, where that was a talk of fascism. You know what Undercover, undercover Brother covers, Jared? Racism. Racism. Yeah. You got that right, buddy. Uh, undercover Brother is a story about the Brotherhood, which is a secret organization of African-American uh, secret agents and covert spies and things like that who are working for equal rights. Uh, and they're fighting the man who is an old white guy who wants to keep the brothers down. You got the brothers, you got the sisters, sister girl. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with all this, uh, but I love this movie genuinely. Uh, I actually think it's really funny. I think Eddie Griffin is super funny. He has a lot of really funny like uh, behavioral tics, like his body language. He's always like blinking like he has like Tourette's or something. And I think that's funny. Uh, Dave Chappelle is wicked funny in this. He's conspiracy brother. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is in this as the white intern at uh, the Brotherhood. He has a scene where he pulls a guy's spine out and uh, blows up another guy's head. That's pretty cool. Uh, what else happens in this movie? Uh, I don't need to tell you what this movie is actually about. Uh, it's got a killer soundtrack. I had this soundtrack on CD, Jared. <laughs> a lot of funk music. Uh. And uh, it's safe to say that this has defined er- almost every aspect of my life. Uh, one year I went as an Afro man for Halloween. Uh, oh, this Jesus came out in 2002. Could have been in grade six. Could have been in grade seven. Uh, I wanted to be Eddie Griffin so bad. Uh, the platform shoes, the leopard pants, oh, no. the disco music, the oh, funk. God. The, oh, if God. I could, so you know what? If people started commenting on YouTube, it was like, that guy should go watch Undercover Brother. I'd been like, you fucking nailed it. Because that's my favorite movie, baby. Oh, God. You didn't black up, did you? No. No, I just went out at night. So it was okay. Uh, people, what? yeah. Well, so so people wouldn't recognize me because I was a little self-conscious. I didn't want to get beat up for my peculiar interests, Jared. Um, I think this movie, to talk about the movie and not myself for a minute, I think this movie is really good. I think it's got some killer jokes. Uh, it's got a killer soundtrack, man. It's that absurdist humor I'm always talking about that I think is super funny. And uh, yeah, it's awesome, man. It's about race and equality. <laughs> And it, all that good it, stuff. It, it doesn't, it's not about laughs? 
Does it, it is about laughs. Does it, is, it, is it a laugh delivery system? It's a laugh riot, pal. D- does it drop those laughs off, laughs off at the uh, funny bone? Uh, I'm yeah. just I'm just like imagining writing copy for like my review in my newspaper. To, so I'm, then it gets later. You, you, you could on. just say it was. It's a classic knee slapper with mm-hmm. uh, deep layers connected to social uh, social issues, hmm. or something like that. Um, yeah, this movie's wicked good. There's one thing I never understood though, and Andrea brought it up too. She's like, "Wait a minute, there's a there's a whole scene, and it is a plot point uh, that black people don't like eating mayonnaise." And um, I never understood that as a kid. And Andrea brought it up. She's like, wait a minute. Do black people not like mayonnaise? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never I've never found out. Huh. So if there's any listeners out there that can answer this question, email in. Well, What's up with mayonnaise? What's up with the mayonnaise? Why don't people like it? Well, um, anyways, that movie's terrific. I think, have you seen Undercover Brother? I've not seen Undercover Brother. This podcast is over, and I am done with you. Well, so I'm going to say, so I'm looking at this uh, here on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It is oh. certified fresh. Huh? Fuck! Even The Last Jedi is not certified Se- fresh, is 77%. it? 77%. Wow. Um, See, I'm not totally out to Now, this, this is a different era, of course, as far as like, mm-hmm. this, this is before Rotten Tomatoes, so it's kind of been stuff. Reviews get added afterwards, and yeah. people might just be finding whatever ones they add. Uh, Richard Roper, what did he have to say? Instead of packing an R-rated politically incorrect punch, the film goes for the easy laughs without getting too raunchy or violent, and the result is mildly amusing but mostly mediocre. What do you have to say about that, uh, RJ? Did you say Ebert? Uh, Richard Roper. Roper? Yeah. That guy's full of shit. No. I bet he likes Salo. Uh, Maybe. Uh, the, 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 the critic, the critics consensus from Rotten Tomatoes, fast paced and filled with racial gags. Undercover brother serves up plenty of laughs and sharp satire. Uh, I agree with all those sentiments. Can we make this a Patreon goal for you to do, you do a want, live do, commentary do, 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 do of you, undercover brother? Do you want me to watch that movie? Do you want me to ruin it? I'll rain on your parade. You, you won't ruin it for me. This is what you'll do. You'll watch that movie. And you won't comment on it at all and tell me where you find its yeah. failings because I know it has none. <laughs> I know it has none. That's the problem with watching these sort of comedies. It's like you got to be in the right window of time to watch yep. them because it is a uh, it's super dated. Yeah, like it is. It, it's 2002. It feels oh. like it came out like 95 or something because of like what's going on in there and like the jokes they have. I, I'll, I'll lay it out for you like this, Jared. Not every joke lands in this thing. <laughs> Not everyone. There are some definite. Uh, there's some definite misses, buddy. Some stinkers. Yeah. Some real stinkers. Would it be like one of those experiences where if you were like sitting near me, I'd be going like, whoo. Uh, I think you'd be more vocal than anything. Yeah. Not even not even just sounds. You, would would you, I would I turn and look at you whenever a dead joke land or falls, and I just look at you. And then probably, like, but look at you while I was wearing my platform shoes and leather pants. I don't think you, you would have anything to say to me. You would yeah. just admire my uh, commitment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Undercover Brother is a quality movie, uh, liked by quality people. There you go. Mm-hmm. What about you, dude? <sighs> did you watch any movies? This yeah, week? I did, RJ. What I wanted, kind? I wanted to watch two movies in addition to our uh, creeps and creeping in and uh i failed 
because I uh, ran out of time. House crap. But yep. I, did, I did get one in, one of the goals. One? Um, and that, that, one of those. Uh, actually, they're both A24 films. Hopefully, I'll mm-hmm. watch the other one for next week. Uh, this first one, though, uh, is riding in on the coattails of the passing of film star legend Burt Reynolds. Oh, yeah. R.I.P.? Yeah. So he died. He's dead. He sure did. And uh, before going out, he made this movie that uh, mm-hmm. A24 is uh, releasing, uh, directed by Adam Rifkin. Uh, you know, dude who's like, you know, written some movies like Small Soldiers, worked on that one movie. Oh. I've talked about that one movie, uh, the, the Dark Backward that I talked about mm-hmm. some months ago that I dug. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just like been involved with a whole mess of movies. He's been floating around forever, but it seems like when he directs stuff, it's middling results. Well, yeah. he directed this movie. It's a big, big love letter ode to Burt Reynolds, starring Burt Reynolds, about mm-hmm. a man on the end of his rope i guess as far as like career and like even existing it's called the last the the, the last sorry the last movie star and i think it was also aka dog years because hmm. uh the movie starts well the movie because it's like an old dog and uh <sighs> beyond his years and it opens up mm-hmm. with uh him having to put down his 15 year old dash hound um, because but in real life or just for the movie? For the, for, it's, it's like a, a fake dog. Like, it's like an actor dog. Oh. So the, he's oh, like God. Burt Reynolds' dog isn't actually being killed for cinema. Oh, okay. uh, it's not directed by Italians in the 70s. So um, yeah, this movie is, yeah, Burt Reynolds looking old. It opens up with like footage of Burt Reynolds in the 70s being interviewed. And they just dub over where his whatever his actor name in this is. It's like Vic not Vic Morrow, but like Vic Edwards. And so there's like this idea that he's a super movie star still, but like his, his mm-hmm. star has passed and it's over with. And, but like, you know, Robert De Niro exists in this world. Uh, he's good friends with Chevy Chase for some reason, who is just looking <laughs> fucking fat and horrible. Oh, he, he oh, is like us. He is looking speak for yourself. He is looking, <laughs> he, he is tough to, uh, look at nowadays. And it's also like, just hearing all that shit with community and stuff like that. And Dan Harmon and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, Chevy Chase just seems like whatever. Get, get, go away, dude. Hmm. Bad ombre. That. I like Chevy Chase. Uh, he'll always be, uh, Whatever, Fletch, Fletch, uh, uh, Grizz, Grisham, Griswold, you Griswold, fucking chud. Come on, that's whatever the fuck it is. Grizz, the Grizz. How about that? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's shameful. I, whatever. Chevy Chase has just never been my, uh, never really floated my boat. When I was younger, I thought he was pretty gold. But Steve Martin, <laughs> Steve Martin's, uh, I think a much better performer on the whole than Chevy. Is that oh, controversial? Father of the bride, baby. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this movie just follows this like, all oh, oh, he's sad. It's a sad bastard kind of movie. It's like, oh, he's taking his pills. He lives alone. He eats bachelor food. He still checks out women. There's this really like awkward scene with him and Chevy Chase checking out young athletic women doing yoga in the park in Los Angeles. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I like yoga. <laughs> Some real Go joke. Jarrett. I can really imagine that, how that scene plays in the theaters nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens is he gets uh, a letter in the mail and it's like palatial empty mansion uh, for an invite to the International Nashville Film Festival. And he's like, ah, oh, this is, I, I don't want to travel my hip. My hip's gone. Chevy Chase tells him it's like a big deal. They've had like, they've inducted uh, 
people like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino into in previous years. So it's a big honor for you. So he's old and lonely and his de- his dog's dead. So he travels to Nashville and there's a bunch of like, I guess, Nashville jokes and probably these insider things that if like I knew anything about Nashville and or like lived there, I guess I'd be like, oh man, it's a movie set in Nashville. They never make movies about Nashville. And then he goes to the film festival and it turns out it's like this rinky dink little thing. He has this mm-hmm. like loud mouthed sister of the guy putting it together who like wears really like short shorts and is really mouthy and tattooed and stuff like that and doesn't give a crap about this old man. Um, and yeah, it's just whatever. It's it follows all the tropes you'd expect. And uh there's bonding, alleged emotional bonding, and man. So this is like crappy Alexander Payne sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, this movie looks exactly like every Netflix film that, mm-hmm. like, I don't watch movies anymore. Um, and it, maybe it's because of modern movies like this that feel, like, so lifeless and just trite and uh, bland. And it's just because, like, in my mind, I guess, I built up this movie. It's like, oh, this movie could be really good. I, I went through a, uh, a Burt Reynolds phase, like, just this year mm-hmm. or last year. And uh, I was watching all these movies, and I'm like, yeah, cool. this sounds perfect. And then he died, and I'm like, oh, man, now i got to check this movie out. And it was just like, yep, that's why no one's really talking about this one. And, did you uh, bust out a trite a minute ago? I did. Wow, that's high. That's high talk, buddy. Yeah, I know. You better be careful. People will associate you with uh, the bros out there. <laughs> better watch out. They might come and get me. Take away my podcast license. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else about this Burt Reynolds movie? Uh, I don't know. Uh, don't watch it unless you oh, just like that's to. Too bad. I don't know, man. It's. I I honestly actually tapped out on this. Because it was so slow, uh, I, I felt like yeah. I felt like the movie was like, oh, okay, it's gotta be wrapping up right away, right? It's like, oh god, there's still like a half hour to go, and like I don't care. There's no pacing to it. There's like parts too where it's like, oh, he's old and he's getting drunk, and uh, they like have a a stuntman do those scenes where he like falls over, and you can just mm-hmm. see it's like a gray wig and him wearing the clothes. It's just like really shoddy. Um, the, the writing is like so on the nose of this like these are just like try hard fans that really want to support you and it's like what what, yeah. is, what is your mission statement here because it's like well what's his name um oh, he's like Quicksilver like the Ew. from Kickass that, that, that oh that, uh Aaron Ro- uh, I th- something Rogers I, I think that's him yeah did, Aaron did he, something did he, but Rogers did he, but, did he, but did he lose a bunch of weight. Because I don't know, maybe this, they filmed this earlier before. Uh, I don't know. He's like one of those types of guys. He's just like, hey, look at this dork. He's like a professional dork now. Are you saying that that guy's a professional dork? That That's what he plays in movies. Because it's like, look. Aaron Taylor Johnson. That guy, yeah. Little sure. known thing about this guy, Jared. Yeah. He, he, he was like 20 and he married uh, his old teacher who was like 45. Really? Uh, I don't think he's in that Burt Reynolds movie. I think you made that shit up. Well, it's another guy that looks kind of like that. Okay, well, I can talk for a while while we figure this out. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, hey, you know what sounds better than that Burt Reynolds movie? Hmm. That uh, movie with Sam Elliott where he also plays like an aged uh, movie star. You ever heard of that one? Yeah, it just came out. And there's like, I don't know. These movies about good. getting old. There's all these movies about old actors getting old and... There's like the one with uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Is is he an actor in that too? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the lead of Kick-Ass, not no. Clark Duke. Yeah. Yeah, that's the dude who's uh, Michael Cera's best friend. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's good. Yeah, that's Clark Duke, dude. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> dude, that's Clark Duke. <laughs> Anyways, that the uh, yeah, I think that Sam Elliott movie sounds better. But hey, also, while we're on it, have you ever had a Burt Reynolds shot at the bar? That's pretty hip with the kids. Uh, did, did you uh, happen to see one of those beautiful political cartoons uh, that always come out about after someone shot. dies? About after someone dies, and mm-hmm. there's the one where it's like this, like naked Burt Reynolds floating to heaven, but he's leaving his mustache behind. So um, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, I know because mustache is not allowed in heaven. I yep. feel like that's that's not right. Mustaches are fine. It's a it's a way to express your who you are. Yeah, it doesn't seem Peter have like a big beard and stuff. What's wrong with facial hair? And I get oh he's naked <laughs> because of that thing where he was like laying on the bearskin rug. I I, I get it. I, I don't don't do those anymore, people. Hey, hey. Do you want to watch that Sam Elliott movie instead? No. Hey, have you ever had a Burt Reynolds shot at the uh, the bar with uh, all the kids? No. Okay. Hey, RJ, you got any news? Uh, there's all sorts of news right now because it's TIFF and there's all sorts of movies premiering, lots of buzz, lots of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the big news, Jared, is that Henry Cavill <laughs> has left the DC universe yeah, as Superman. That was my news. Which I believe is the first the first straw to be broken here on the camel's back, you know? Wasn't that, wasn't that more Ben Affleck? Well, yeah, but he never actually left. He's just like yeah. he's in rehab. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, now that Henry Cavill leaves, I think it is. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna reset everything. Oh, why not? Like it's a uh, or actually, what I think I heard once what they were doing, which would make more sense anyways, was just no more shared universe bullshit. Just solo movies coming out that exist on their own. It's like that makes a lot more sense. Just do that mm-hmm. because they have Aquaman and Shazam. Are next, and then Wonder Woman two, and oh, uh, that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that starts filming next week with your buddy uh, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, they should. I, I can't. Oh, yeah, man. they should just just do solo movies that aren't connected to anything. Just make one good movie. That's all. Yeah, you don't have to make five movie, five okay movies that together make one all right movie just make one good one that isn't connected to anything well i mean they did do that and that was called the dark knight and that came out 10 years ago and yep. uh here we are and what uh about BBS? Yeah, come on yeah i know i will always stand up for that movie <laughs> like the youtube commenter has uh has acknowledged yeah whatever i'll take bvs and uh undercover brother over salo any day of the week baby <laughs> Any day of the week. Yeah. That's why I'm here. I know. You're representing Big Ben, Mel Gibson. They're all well, in your corner. The only yeah, the only good thing here though is maybe Henry Cavill can go into other movies where he can beat people up shirtless. Like what people want. So maybe it'll be okay. Oh shit. Something here about Henry Cavill response to today's Superman dust up. What? I heard I saw his agent said something like the cape is in the closet, which it was like seemed really vague. Like, so is he actually leaving or is he not? Well, we never know. It's always just information. It's all testing those waters, playing us all for rubes. Who knows? Who cares? Hey, remember Henry Cavill's mustache in MI6? If he went to heaven when he played hey, Superman, does that hot mean? take? Henry Cavill's mustache is better than Burt Reynolds was. You know, 
so actually, movies. that reminds me. Uh, that yeah, that was actually one of the things that uh, watching those Burt Reynolds movies. Burt Reynolds without a mustache is way better than mustache Burt. You've mentioned that before. Yeah, it's because you're a Deliverance fan, eh? I am, but yeah, no, he's just like he's more for whatever reason. That mustache makes him like that's that's like comedy Burt, and it's not not a good thing. Hmm. I, I, when he's got this no stash, he's serious. He's like actually really good. But uh, no, yeah. Like so, in Gator. Like in Gator. Gator's okay. The the sequel actually, White Lightning's good. Gator the sequel is not good. What about Gator? Have you ever seen Gator? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a bro. <laughs> you don't even like Fight Club. How much of a bro can you really be? Yeah. Another bad movie. <laughs> Hey, what? Let's talk about a criterion. Might as well now. After the break, uh, we're going to have an argument in a car, and then we're going to make up, and then one of us is going to disappear. Did you say then we're going to make out? Sociopathe et claustrophobe. Je n'ai jamais trompé ma femme. Ah. Gabi, le carbouchon, s'il te plaît, dans le tiroir. Ah ah je m'empresse de vous dire que pour moi, le pire, ce n'est pas tué. Vous êtes un euh, menteur. Menteur Non, je ne veux Non. Oui Et euh, je, je veux... Euh, 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 Vous avez violé Saskia. Si elle est morte. Et si l'homme qui voulait savoir, c'était vous. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Sporlos, aka The Vanishing, from 1988, directed by George Schluger. The tagline from Letterboxd: Who has seen this woman? 
And the synopsis, Rex and Saskia are enjoying a biking holiday in France when, stopping at a gas station, Saskia disappears. Confounded, Rex searches everywhere, but to no avail. Three years later, he's still obsessed with finding her, pleading his case on television, putting up posters, and ruining his uh, new relationship in the process. Eventually, an unassuming chemistry teacher, Raymond, approaches Rex, uh, intimating that he knows what happened. So, RJ, uh, one of the great titles of, for a film? <laughs> what, you mean Spurlos? Spurlos. <clears throat> Which language is that? Is it uh, Danish or is it French? I don't know. Isn't this movie a weird blend of Yeah, it's the uh two? it's very continental. Ooh, <laughs> continental. Very, Look very, at those very, big words. Very EU. Mm. Uh yeah. Yeah, so this whenever I see the poster for this like uh, with the actual yes, European title was we'll say, uh it's always like that looks like a comedy. Like it looks so goofy. It it doesn't mm-hmm. it, it it does not match with the uh a kind of like really amazing iconic poster for the uh DVD. Uh, art mm-hmm. for the first uh, Vanishing DVD on Criterion ages ago. Uh, replaced now with kind of the blander, kind of like overblown uh, dot pattern cover that they use yep. now. I much prefer the moody, uh, dark uh, gas station one because it mis- evokes uh, the doom and dread that this movie uh, fills me with every time I watch it. Mm. Um, so it's been a while since I'd seen this last. Uh, I've only seen it now three times. The first mm-hmm. time, uh, it was one of those movies that came up on IFC, and uh, I just kind of knew the title because, like, oh, that's one of those Criterions, and it's really difficult to rent those around here. And, oh, hey, my friend says it's on TV. Let's record it off of there and check it out, see what this European movie about a disappearing woman's all about. And, uh, yeah, uh, that movie, ha- this movie has stuck with me for a long, long time. Um, one of my greatest fears, RJ, uh, about in, in, in this world is mm-hmm. like mysterious, unexplained disappearances. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, most people probably don't like them because they're unsettling this idea that you could just disappear or someone you love in particular, I think could just disappear mm-hmm. and you have no idea what happened to them. It's like, you never find a body. You don't know what happened. They're just gone. That's like, that's really messed up because uh, we're, we're quite connected to our uh, material forms and whatnot. And uh, being denied that closure and like being left to your own imagination about what could happen to somebody, uh, mm-hmm. that really messes you up. And uh, I've spent uh, a few nights in my life where I just stupidly kind of stumble across like websites that are all about unsolved mysteries, like particularly unexplained disappearances, and reading mm-hmm. the details of them. And they're so, I don't know, like relatable in the fact that it could happen to anybody anywhere and you have no idea what caused it. Nothing. There's like so little information beyond the fact that it happened to another person just like you. Um, so one of the things that I think is a strength of this movie, uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, when I was watching this movie, uh, very stressed out while watching it. Cause I know where it's all going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's not like you're, you're, when you watch other movies and you're just appreciating it for like, Oh, this is comfortable. I'm watching a horror movie. It doesn't really work as a horror movie anymore. This movie mm-hmm. really still works horrifically to me. Uh, cause you're just like, Oh God. And then that scene's going to happen. And Oh, oh man, it's, it just induces that in me. It messes me up. Uh, so like, while I 
really, really, really like this movie. Uh, I also mm-hmm. kind of hate it because it's not like a movie I want to pop in and just check out because it makes me feel uneasy uh, when mm-hmm. I'm watching it. Because while these characters, Rex and Saskia, they're like loosely drawn and they're kind of these like this bland sort of stand-in. Like that's kind of intentional, right? Because mm-hmm. um, essentially this movie is a very artfully made uh, feature-length episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, but I guess it goes beyond that a little bit into like it's a thriller. Uh, but it plays with like everything kind of in plain sight. Um, like nothing, like pretty well all the action happens in like broad daylight till the very, very end. And the whole time you know exactly what's happening to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows you lots of stuff. So you're not just like, what's going on? It's kind of like, well, what does that mean when you see it? Um, so that's, uh, I think a really well done trick, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this movie freaks me out a bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I keep stressing Nerd. that. Yeah. I don't know. It's like one of those like true like successful horror movies in a lot of ways because it actually isn't just like an enjoyable film to watch and it is that too. Uh, it's very well made. Uh, I think there's like a lot of like really great like uh, subtle filmmaking things going on and this mm-hmm. becomes particularly evident when you watch the uh, subsequent remake from the same director and you we'll start get there. We, you start appreciating like how good stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um. On this watch, I don't know. Should I talk about what this movie plays out in? Like, I'm kind of just talking about my response to a movie, and I haven't actually talked about. Uh, it. Do whatever feels right, man. Like, yeah. if you want to get into it, if you don't, that's it's it's your day, buddy. Do whatever feels oh, oh, good. All right, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Rex and Saskia, we we open up with them because we're introduced to them because this is like kind of their story. Um, this is like this, like oh, they're just driving around, like anyone could be in the mountains or like in some sort of like kind of open area on vacation, on some sort of trip, and uh, there's nothing to it. They're just like people talking. There's nothing like it's like Richard Linklater ish. They're just mm-hmm. like, they're not they're not even having deep conversations. They're not particularly charismatic. They're just like there. They're just folk, um, and that's like again a strength of the film. Um, and then you get like kind of this one setup for a tense moment where oh. They've run out of gas in this dark tunnel where, like, massive, like, semi-trucks come blasting through with, like, rock quarry stuff and like that. And uh, you get this, like, weird argument, stressful bit where, like, well, we have to go get gas. And she's like, no, we're going to get killed here. And they just, like, they argue like you do with uh, Mm -hmm. partners. And, uh, you know, the setup is just, like, it's just, like, this kind of nothing little scene that, like, just kind of, like, creates tension like out of nothing really effortlessly um and then it kind of builds to them like you know they separate they regret it they kind of argue but they kind of get over it and they're like it just sets up this relationship that like okay we won't do that ever again Mm -hmm. and of course they get to this gas station uh they're just hanging out there's this footage of this guy who's like putting on a cast in a car (laughs) and he's just like milling around doing stuff and you know something's going to happen and then like she just disappears on old Rex. Rex is left not knowing what's going on. Um, and it just plays out in this very naturalistic way. Uh, I guess, like, I mean, the way that I think it would happen to most people. Um, you you would be like, where the hell do they go? This is really weird. They must be around this corner. Nope. Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen them? Um, the one thing that doesn't even play up that much is the fact that uh, uh, Saskia has the car keys. 
and he mm-hmm. can't and he, and he can't go anywhere and he like there's nothing he can do except for wait and uh and it's kind of interesting in both films they don't really play that up at all it's kind of just a thing that's there which yeah. is yeah it's just of note i guess and, it's like it's kind of a plot point in in the original where it's like uh a, a place for him to believe the guy who's telling him that he did it because he actually has the keys. Yes. Where in the second one, it's more of like an afterthought. It's like, hey, check out, I got these keys, brother. And then, I don't know. I'll, I'll get to the remake oh, later. Boy, but, uh, will, will. I, I got a lot of things to say about that thing. Oh, we, we got things to say. It's always fun yeah. to watch these uh, 90s movies. I always have like a page to say about those things where sometimes uh-huh. talking about something you actually really like that's like well made. It's like, what can you say? Other, like You can't even shit talk this. It's just like trying to like, articulate what you like about it and how it works well. Mm-hmm. So uh, the movie then t- takes this uh, bold leap and then shows you the flip side of who this guy putting on a fake cast is all about. Old Raymond, Raymond Lamorne. And man, RJ, I, f- I fucking hate this guy. I hate him. Ray? Yeah, man. Mm. So there's it's something about that little beard goatee he's got. It's like, it's like, he's just like a banal dude. He's every guy you've ever seen in, like he works in an mm-hmm. IT department. He's walking around in cargo shorts, sandals. He doesn't do anything. He's he, a, he's opinionated. He just spews like pithy little remarks. Just condescending asshole. He's can I interrupt th- for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it, my man. A lot of these descriptors are a lot like the guy I'm looking at right here on this Skype. He's got this weird goatee. Goatee. He's got these pithy remarks. He wears sandals all the time. I heard he loves feet. Oh. Anyways, continue about uh, your description of Ray and just be cognizant that uh, you're talking about yourself here oh at the same time. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. That's me to the <laughs> my wife and kids. Yep. Scaring them with spiders. Mm-hmm. I hate this. I, I hate. I hate him. He's just uh, visually. He's just like perfectly visually cast. upsetting. Old you br- know. You, you know who I think he looks like. Hmm. Uh, you ever seen Isaac Brock, the lead singer of Modest Mouse? No. He looks just like him, man. I'll put a picture out on the Instagram later. Mm-hmm. These dudes look exactly alike. But anyways, what were you talking about? Something this guy, important, He's so well cast, this guy, because I, mm-hmm. I, I hate to look this at guy. him because he just looks like a guy. Um, he's got um, what uh, Chanel sometimes describes as like that BTK killer look, which I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with old BTK, but he just looks like a dad. He just looks like a guy, and he was totally unassuming, but you know he's into really fucked up things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and behind that wood paneling, he's got fucking, like, big fucking shit-covered dildos and fucking power drills and handcuffs. He's really into sick shit, and uh, you always got to watch out for those really boring-looking dudes, mm-hmm. RJ. Uh, I've never been described as boring. I've been described as a bro and, uh, you know, pretty dense and into those, uh, you know, those Spider-Man movies, but, uh, no one's ever described me as boring. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. So what are we talking about? I don't know. Uh, Raymond Lamorne. Yeah. So he's a great villain. You know who I hate? Who? The fucking lead character in this movie. That guy sucks so hard. (laughs) That's the first thing I noted in this movie. I was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> but uh, that that's building a bigger picture, and I'll, I'll get to that too. But uh, continue with your description of this movie, Spurdos. Okay, so we get we get some back history with this Raymond. We get to see like what mm-hmm. led him up to the moment that we see in this movie. And uh, then we get three years later. We get a time jump. 
which I guess for like 1988 was probably quite bold. And it seems like it's well-trotted ground nowadays uh, in the yeah. age of television and stuff like that. In fact, there's like a lot of structural stuff in this movie that I feel, um, I think it like holds up well, but I feel mm-hmm. like a lot, like this movie's got a real Christopher Nolan vibe to it. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. That, that non-linear storytelling. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And just like the this use of like the theme of obsession and stuff like that and sort of like mm-hmm. this uh uh, absent woman and stuff like that driving these two like it's also kind of like the insomnia thing because I could definitely like if you were mm-hmm. going to make like the vanishing remake by Christopher Nolan it was like it's just insomnia with Robin mm-hmm. Robin Williams like it's kind of like he would just be well suited to play the the low key killer who's just so nice and kind and doesn't really raise his voice too much and you never just, suspect him you never suspect you never see it coming he's just so nice unassuming but yeah anyway mm-hmm. um yeah this this movie feels like very contemporary in a lot of ways um the the score probably is a little on the dated side it's a little it's very eighty eight uh mm-hmm. but it's not bad doesn't hurt the film mm-hmm. Um, I've got some other rando notes about this too. Um, we could talk about the, um, the laying it on of the, the golden egg, the golden eggs and, uh, and stuff like that. The forms, mm-hmm. which like, I didn't really remember the previous times I'd watched the movie. And then this time it was like, Oh, right. Cause I remembered it very clearly where it's all going. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's that all about those eggs? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, RJ, Hey, what, what, what do you think about this vanishing? I, I would like this to be re- reissued one day by Criterion, not on the Blu-ray, but whatever's next, like the bl- the Blu-ray or whatever, and it would have a quote by Jared Duncan, and it'd be like those eggs, <laughs> whatever's going on with those eggs. I think that's a good description of this movie as as a whole, because it's got the outside, but it's got the inside too, Jared. You Is know it, what I mean? It's was, a metaphor. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, I feel it's that. a metaphor, buddy. How, how do you uh, like how do you like those egg cutouts at the end off of the newspaper? Oh. <laughs> so that's uh the, the dated things you talk about, like the score and uh, that sweet transition. It's like when you brought up Insomnia, where that movie ends on the like the neon eyes, and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, where did this come from? It's kind of like that, but uh, as you said, it doesn't really take away from it. Uh, my personal history with the vanishing. Uh, I watched it a couple of years ago when I was getting hot on these uh, Criterion films mm-hmm. pre-podcast. Yeah. Uh, so this is one I actually own. And I got to say, it feels really nice to actually have a physical copy of the movie we're watching. I don't know why, but it's just there, there's something that like actually owning it, popping it in and seeing that Criterion thing kind of spin. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Uh, you usually lend them to me, but it's it's better when it's your own. So anyways, uh, I have seen this movie before. The first time I watched it, it was very tense. Uh, I honestly uh, and genuinely was surprised by the way it ended. Uh, I didn't see it coming. So I thought uh, my first watch, I was like, whoa, I didn't think that's what was going to happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot about your first watch, there's like this, there's this, connection that you have or there's this like thing that you're building off of because of the title right and you're like the vanishing and i think that speaks a lot to the structure of this and we mention it a lot but that fine film craft that artisan film craft where i think this is like it's actually so well put together and it's it's, it's like a mason jar at your favorite little uh club (laughs) yeah just full of like pickled like feet or whatever and it's just there for you but you're like a lot of work went into that Mm -hmm. um because i think this movie actually has like 
uh, it's organized and structured super well uh, where you know the title is The Vanishing and you're expecting it, right? So I think the, the movie has this, it's got an awesome setup where you just, you're dropped in on these characters and you're dropped in on this situation where you think possibly it's like, oh shit, is this where she vanishes? Where she gets left in the tunnel? And then it's like a big psych out and she's like, oh, she's still there. And then they go to the gas station. And then that gives you more setup for like uh, who the characters are and what the backstory is. And then that builds up what the whole rest of the movie is. So I think it's set up in a really smart way where they have a psych out. But the reason I think it builds into his obsession because they have that little instance first where he thinks he loses her. And then she's like, you got to promise never to lose me again. And he's like, okay. And then she actually gets like abducted, vanished. And then he, it shows, it, it kind of shows like where some of these things might come from later on down the line. And I think that's really smart. And I think it's a really good way to do it. So I don't know if I said, but I also uh, really like this movie. I think this is a genuine great movie um, for a lot of reasons. So one is the setup. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned, like that Chris Nolan style. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of that non-linear storytelling. Oh yeah, you're Nolan, bro. Ooh, baby, uh, you wait until we get to uh, following, and uh, one day maybe Memento that'll be in here. But uh, I won't be able to talk about it if we if it, we ever do cover it. So, anyways, uh, I love that, and I think it again. It's a great way that they set up this movie because you're introduced to these characters, and you have this play out, and you kind of you kind of get a feel for them. And then one of them leaves and then it jumps like three years ahead. And then you're introduced to the other character. And like the way I think the way that they gradually show the way he was training or like not like preparing to do this abduction. I think it's so well done because at first you think it's like, fuck, he thought of everything. Like when you're getting those first little snips of him, like putting the cast on Mm -hmm. and like where it goes off and it seems like it went off without like a hitch. Right. So you're like, this dude is so smart. He thought of everything, but I think the way they gradually show all of his like failings is just perfect storytelling. Like, especially with the one where, he meets like the, the lady that he actually knows. And she's like, hey, if you're looking for some strange, why don't you go to the gas station? Because yeah. every everyone thinks he's having an affair. Yeah. Well, even that scene, though, like it feels yep. like almost uh, fantasy because there's these moments in the movie where there's these yeah, flights of fantasy. Like yep. and I, I was thinking about it because there's the two in particular. There's the yeah, there's that scene where the woman just starts telling him exactly what he should do mm-hmm. if he wants to be successful. And yep. you're like whoa that that's weird it's like mm-hmm. is he like, he's just having this like weird like episode where something is telling him that and it doesn't make sense unless it's she's like explicitly saying yeah i mean if you're just trying to like fuck a woman that you don't know you mm-hmm. should go where the foreign women are dude and just says it flat out yeah but at the same time it could be like this like his pathology or whatever because there's that scene yep. and there's also the one where rex has like the weird like uh kind of uh daydream where he's chasing after the car with himself yeah. driving yeah that, that's a really good point, actually. I never thought of that because um, I took it as literal. Right. And uh, I I um, I, prescri- I put it into that spot where I was like, oh, this is like helping build where it shows him working through this stuff. But I think actually I think you might be on something. I'll give you th- th- this one time. I'll give it give you this one that uh, I think that might actually be what it is. And that's a really that just that adds to this movie about like how smart it is that they're building on these things and. Uh, I really like that too, where they're showing like 
parts of his history that lead up to it. And it's like you said, it could be, it's like that unreliable narrator stuff where he's like explaining it, but you don't really know what to trust. And then I think one of uh, the ones that I think is the best one of that, it's like super subtle. It's the seatbelt thing where he has the permit for the seatbelt and it's about claustrophobia and how that like plays in later because it's not something that he tells. It's not a story that he tells. It's something that he tells like to a different person. So you can take it objectively and then later it plays into it. And it's like, Oh, that's why he's doing the thing that he's doing. Right. Because Mm -hmm. he's trying to live out, like when he's explaining why he kidnapped her to the guy and uh, he's talking about like why he was trying to he's like towing the line with all these different things that he's experienced in his life. I thought that was just a really good way to right. show that. So, yeah, this movie's really smart. Uh, the other thing about uh, like the the way that they do the storytelling like uh, chronologically, I think is really, really good is the um, the bike racing stuff. So the first time I watched this, I actually watched it with old roommate Scott, who's a big cyclist. And uh, they were talking about it. And I didn't like because it's all on the radio in the background or like other people like uh, background characters talking about like the races. And I had no idea what that was about because I don't know cycling at all. And then uh, like when he first asked the gas station attendant, uh, she, he's like, she was wearing a yellow sweater and the, she's like, oh, this guy's wearing the yellow sweater because it's a cycling thing because that meant he was in the lead. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, if you kind of like, I, cause I had no idea it was cause Scott explained it to me. But then later when you see him training to be like a murderer, uh, you, there's like talk of the races. And yes. so it's like, if you, if you really knew and you were really paying attention, you could you could figure out that timeline where it's like, oh, yeah. So when when she was abducted, it was like near the end of the like the tour or whatever. And then when he was training, it was at like earlier places of the tour. Yeah. And these things all kind of lead up to each other. So it's another it's another nice little, little and, tidbit. They and got if you there. don't even really think about it, because like I had no idea that that's what that was about. I just thought I assumed it was some sort of game, like it was some sort of like soccer thing or some sort of event happening like in the background and I was just like oh that's a way to like kind of uh, designate the time frame and stuff like that that's cool and like that's yeah. all I thought about it but yeah no it's uh it's just like that added level of uh attention to detail that uh obviously mm-hmm. the film is following quite a bit of it yeah that and like that's a yeah that's my point right like I didn't I had no idea and I think most people wouldn't but like the more you look into it, like if you actually wanted to watch this movie and deconstruct it a little bit, you, you'd be like, okay, what is this thing they're talking about right now? And you could figure it out. But at the time I watched it like the first time and Scott pointed out that he's like, Oh no, then he's like, that's like tour, not tour de France, but like, that's like cyclist racing. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then we were watching. He's like, Oh yeah, this is earlier in the race. I was like, Oh shit. Hmm. All right, man. Cool. I was like, I had no fucking idea. Um, so I thought that was very cool. Uh, and then like there's so many subtle things in this that I think are just like great. I, I keep saying it, but like great storytelling, like the way they set up stuff and then there's quick payoffs for it. Right. Like uh, the Polaroid cues, like he's taking the Polaroids yep. and then like he uses it to like try to figure stuff out. Like Memento. Like Memento. 
Yeah, and he's like building all these things, and like again, it just like feeds to his obsession, where he loses her once, and then she like you see their relationship, and you see what he has to lose, and how important she actually is, and like how much she puts into it, and then she actually gets lost, and you're like, oh, I kind of get it, and then you see all these clues where it's like these things where it's like, oh yeah, maybe this is a way he can help, and you could see why he would get obsessed about it. He's like, because if you had one picture of the very time she was taken and that was all you could think about forever. It's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, I think that's also showed best with like his relationship with the new girl, which is another one of the failings of the remakes where they're putting like the focus in the wrong place. Uh, but like, I, I love how they show that relationship. They show it for a second and mm-hmm. then the next second they're like, it's done. And it's like, no, his he his relationship is his obsession with this thing, and he can't have anything else. You don't Whoa. need any. You, you don't need anything more than that. Exactly. You don't need anything more than that. You don't. Th- that's all it is. But, uh, um, yeah. Uh, one other thing I liked about the structure was like the uh, the subtle like de escalation of things, where it was kind of like how I was saying, where at at first you think the murderer guy like did everything right, but then you see like it's slowly you sh- you show how he kind of like figured it all out, but then also how he was really bad at it too. I was like, I love that. It's really good. Uh, the last few things I'll say, uh, cause so that's what I think about this movie, like as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just super well put together. Uh, they thought of everything. It's a smart movie. The more you look into it, I think the more you'll find because on the second watch here, there was more stuff that I picked out of it. And then you get like the scenes, like the cafe where they're like, they're like kind of, uh, Rex and his new girl, they're like yep. meet at waiting. Cause they know that they've been told, like they've been invited by the person that kidnapped her or whatever. And the, the whole He's time there. you get like uh Raymond who's like out of focus and they never really yep. break that. It's so like, like it's obvious. Mm-hmm. But it's so well done. And, like, they build it to it really well because he's not there the whole time. And then he sits down. And, like, you just get this great image. And it makes mm-hmm. sense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, it seems like, yeah, whatever like, anyone would think about that. I'm like, yeah, but they did it great. <laughs> so They did it great. Yeah, yeah they, they they really do. Uh, there's so much stuff that I think they do so good. There's one that's actually – because, like, one thing uh, – we could just throw out there is this movie also has like yep. kind of like a strange streak of humor to it. Like it's almost like yeah, this humor does. is kind of like deflating kind of the dread, which I guess mm-hmm. is like somewhat appreciated, even though it's kind of like, Oh man, why do you even bother? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but, um, there's the one that I really like is like when, so Rex is looking for Saskia at the beginning, um, at the uh, gas station he's like just looking around and he comes across like this the part of the like kind of the green strip where they were just mm-hmm. lying, lounging around and like frolicking like young lovers do and because he goes toward there because there's a girl that's sitting there with like strawberry blonde hair mm-hmm. with a guy who looks exactly like him and they're wearing like mm-hmm. the exact same types of clothes who are now in the exact same spot that they were mm-hmm. in and he kind of goes over oh is that her oh no that's just another couple he's like and the guy's wearing like a salmon pink shirt like it's so funny because <laughs> it's just like subtle because um, mm-hmm. I guess like yeah, the uh, the old uh, thing you could trope out is uh, oh, it's very Hitchcockian. Uh, oh, very Hitchcockian. Because you have like the whole thing about like this obsessed male, like the man who's mm-hmm. looking for the woman, just like something like out of Vertigo and stuff like that, and it leads to yeah. his own destruction. And yeah, that you could go down that uh, old uh, chestnut road. Mm-hmm. To the- <laughs> Yeah, I I hear you, buddy. Yeah. The one thing I thought was really funny was when they're driving together. And the uh, abductor is like telling him all these stories. And it's just like 
it's not long. It's like five, ten seconds maybe. It just shows the guy listening. And he's like so fucking bored and he doesn't care at all about this stuff. And it, it it's done in this one at least really subtly where it's just like the look on his face you're like he doesn't care he doesn't give a shit at at all about this whereas in the other one it's like so blatant he's like i don't give a shit about your stories man and it's like oh you gotta spell it all out eh Eh? Uh, yeah, and then you got, uh, like the uh, the sandwiches and the little container one one oh, one, yeah, one, so cute. one uncut one whole mm-hmm. whatever his preference might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that as well because uh, you know some people do. So here here's the thing. Uh, we talk about food sometimes on the show. Do you cut your sandwich or do you eat it whole? Eat it whole. You eat it whole. So I eat it whole also. Andrea cuts it side to side or like ang- angled. Okay. Do you know people Should who cut triangles. it straight through the middle? Uh, no, I don't. It's just like, it's, it's an awkward cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. I think it's better to angle cut. You, for whatever reason, uh, when people put food onto a bread in that mm-hmm. way, it seems like it's easier to cut diagonally than it is straight down. Yeah. Well, this was the sandwich cast. Uh, if you have any questions about sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. About snacks. Uh, yeah. Uh, I honestly, I have like a few other like things i thought were funny about the vanishing but to be honest i don't know i don't have much more to say i think i think it's a really good movie yeah it is really smart it's good they 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 thought they thought it all i don't i don't usually condone rewatches for criterions i like going in fresh but uh this is one that you can definitely benefit from a a rewatch on if you i guess yeah but i I don't know do you not like find this movie like really like like oh god like do you get that sense of dread at all yeah, but I mean, I'm a grown up, and yeah. uh, I can get over my feelings. I bottle them down, <laughs> and I deal with them in my own way. <laughs> uh, maybe sometimes it comes out in drinking. It might, but I mean, if that's how I have to get by, that's how I have to get by. It's no, it's no issue. It's no rat issue. Uh, no, cu- I I, I yeah. do feel that. Yeah, yeah. It does a good job. That's what the movie's supposed to do. So a couple of fun facts. Uh, oh no, old Saskia Terstige. Uh, she apparently really won Stanley Kubrick over. Who uh, apparently uh, told uh, uh, George Schluzer, the director, that this is like one of the best horror films he's ever seen. Uh, And he actually cast her for his Holocaust drama, Aryan Papers, which Mm -hmm. never got made, obviously. um, But because he abandoned it after Schindler's List came out. Because he was just like, oh, there's no point in me making this thing now. It's a fucking Spielberg ruining things again. Yeah, it's like well, AI. He, he really stuck it to Kubrick with that uh, shining scene and, in and Ready Player oh, One. Eh? Yeah, well, yeah, well, spoilers. I didn't know about that at all. It's not like shut up, you nerd. <laughs> uh, and oh yeah, so and then, and also, so Vanishing uh, didn't actually get distributed in the U.S. till like 1991. Hmm. Um, so yeah, and then uh, you know, two years after George Luger, he gets called Baby. in. Hey, buddy. You want to oh, you, 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 you want to you want to do it right this time. You, you want to make it for an American audience who will truly appreciate this, not this mm. Euro shit with people talking funny, uh, with subtitles and crap. No, man, let's let's do it right. Let's get Kiefer Sutherland, and 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 one Jeff Bridges, and, and? <laughs> uh, Sandy Bullock, Sandy Bullock, and. The acclaimed actress from So I Married an Axe Murderer? Yeah. What's her face? She's probably the best performance in this movie, 
arguably. Like, because she doesn't, like, make me burst out laughing. Yeah, we're we're talking about The Vanishing 1993. Um, I have never seen this movie. I've just known about it for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, maybe bits and bits and pieces of it appearing on TV over the years. Um, Having, like, watched the original movie beforehand and just hearing, this movie sucks, don't watch it, it's just just garbage. I was like, why would I ever watch it? But I never realized one day I'd be doing a podcast. And uh, for the sake of, uh, you know... never realized. I never realized I was going to do a podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. but here I am. I'm glad I didn't watch it earlier and, like, waste uh, a part of my life doing that. But here we are now. Got it out of the way. Um, so yeah, this is a rare opportunity to compare and contrast not only mm-hmm. a remake of a Criterion film that's happened before. We, we've covered before, like yeah, Insomnia. that happens all the time. Uh, it does happen; it's out there. But this is unusual, as it is a remake directed by the same director. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's only like a few other. There's a couple films I think that'll be like that. Uh, Ozu's Floating Weeds. He kind of like redid it. Uh, that's like hundreds of episodes from now. Okay. Uh, so yeah. And then some people might even say, uh, snarkily that Wes Anderson just remakes the same movie over and over again. <laughs> those people don't listen to this. I uh, chase those all out by like episode 20. Yeah. Those so types. yeah, those types. Uh, anyway, so this movie takes big name charismatic actors and makes yeah. them all terrible. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's one thing with the European movie. It's like these people are generally kind of anonymous, which adds to the kind of creepiness of the movie because it could happen to anybody. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, let's get big names. People will go to see movies. Um, let's get Jeff Bridges, the dude himself. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's let's like make him European, just like the original movie. And he's going to have this ridiculous like German accent that makes <laughs> him sound like he's he has ways of making us talk. Um it hey. is so dis- anyway sorry yeah you keep going so hey, what <laughs> and and hey you know what you know you know that elegant structure of the original has mhm let's toss that out let's tell this film chronologically let's start this movie by having us follow the adventures of Jeff, Jeff Bridges weirdo um what's his fucking mm-hmm. name in this movie Barney Barney Cousins. Barney Cousins. So this is the adventures of Barney Cousins' attempt at kidnapping a woman. And, uh, oh, spoilers, because we never really talked about that when we are talking about the original movie. Yep. Burying you alive in a coffin and leaving you to die. Ah, yeah, we're uh, going to talk about some spoilers here with yeah, uh, this we're, ending. We're, yeah, this, we're, we're getting there. Okay, so that's the yep. first movie. I, I, I find that, yeah, I hopefully... We should have maybe more people earlier on. Uh, it's probably a good idea to watch The Vanishing before listening to the episode, but... It's, uh, you it, said spoilers. The, the movie's like 30 years old. That's another yeah. thing, too. The movie's 30 years old. Holds up pretty mm-hmm. nicely. Yes, um, it does. You mean I, the remake, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I have a lot of sympathy for uh, George Slusier here because I would imagine it's really difficult for a director doing something like this project where you're remaking your own movie mm-hmm. not, like five years later. Um, and like all the things that you you kind of planned and thought of the first time, you don't necess- you don't really want to do it all over again the exact same way because mm-hmm. there's no challenge to that. So you're going to like second guess yourself and like outdo yourself. But on top of that, you're also working with a completely different like cr- uh, like creative team, including editors. So um, th- mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to blow all these scenes that were done so well, and they're going to, everyone's going to have a way to compare them. Uh, 
and be realize why is this movie made? Why why, <laughs> why is this like really well done scene in the tunnel completely ruined when you <laughs> do, when you do it again? Like you just blow it. You're like there's like th- that great scene of watching Saskia as you're driving yeah. down the tunnel and you're coming toward the light and it's a round sphere like an egg, and then you <laughs> see the silhouette of a woman at the end of the tunnel. It's this great visual that they play back over and over again in the first film. And here yeah. it's just like cut cut cut. Like they just find each other and it's like oh there she is. Just like it's like yep. what the what the fuck is this? What what am I watching? Keith or Sutherland just being Keith Keith or Sutherland, Jack Bauer himself. It's Western audiences, Jarrett. They wouldn't figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, whatever you want to say about the original film score, mm-hmm. Jerry Goldsmith sucks here. Uh, he he is just too overpowering, and his sound like only works for like big movies that like mm-hmm. are like traditional like they're very hollywood he's a hollywood score guy this is supposed to, this should be like a kind of thoughtful kind of low-key score and this is just like oh it kills every scene that it appears in it's so bland and generic in the worst ways of 90 scores yeah mm-hmm. jerry goldsmith fuck off um yeah the delivery mm. of all the scenes in this movie uh from the get-go are just bad um, and here's my note mm-hmm. and maybe I'll, we can start going back and forth on this because I'm pretty sure, uh, actually, I think you dislike this movie even more than I, um, yes. Jeff Bridges is derpy face. There's so much of Jeff Bridges in this fucking movie that doesn't make sense. My two notes are Jeff Bridges, dumb smile and Jeff Bridges dumb voice. I don't understand what he's doing at any point in this movie. Like he's putting on this like it's like he's trying to restrain a smile, but he can't help it. He's like, like that. His face always looks like he's making that sound. And (laughs) but silently, but silently, just like and his voice doesn't make any fucking sense because sometimes he has this accent. Sometimes he doesn't. And it always sounds like he's talking out of the corner of his mouth. He's talking like this. He's talking like this, but only out of the side. Like he only opens the quarter of his mouth. That's very elephant man you got going on there. Oh, does? John, John. That's what he sounds like. And that's what he looks like. It is fucking unbelievable. His dumb face in this movie. I couldn't. I was watching this last night. I was like, what is going on? Who told him that was a good idea? Did he watch the original one? Because if he did, he would have seen an actor who performed a really like quiet, subtle performance that didn't do any of these things. Like I'm here to ass- I assume Jeff Bridges is a good actor, right? Yeah. He's he, been in good. He, he's good ac- he's actually probably a pretty great actor. Ac- I would say he's a great actor. So was this just like a paycheck that was? No, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he thought the material was crap and he's like, oh, I might as well have fun with it. Much to our chagrin. So stupid. Like, yeah, his voice and his face are just so dumb in this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I hated this movie, Jared. Yeah. Uh, all that, like you kind of mentioned, but like all that setup and pacing, all that good stuff, the structure, is just totally thrown out the fucking window when you just decide to just show it chronologically in order. It's like, this doesn't even make sense. I, no, it's because, yeah, so you open up with 
with Barney doing like all the stuff. And you don't know what it's about. And he's supposed to be like, there's something off about him. And it's just like, he's doing stuff. And you're like, well, what, what, what's all this? To, what end? What, what's all this about? And you, you spend like way too much time with him off the get go. And it's like, he's kind of weird. And you're like, am I supposed to be like sympathetic to him? Cause that's how the other movie successful is. Cause like you introduce the couple. And so in this, you spend way li- too little time with the couple. Like they're just like, yeah. Oh, here they are. They, they're in love. And that's that's it. And they had a fight, but they're they're good. And uh, yeah, like so you're now because you you've int- introduced to them second, and it doesn't feel right. And you kind of realize mm, maybe it would be better to be like brought into the story, and then you're kind of left what's what's going on. And then you get yeah. the the other shoe drop where you get the flashback to like what's going on on the other end, and you get the build to that. It's uh-huh. what works so well. And this though, it's just very conventional, um, and you get like a more of like a flashback fill-in thing afterwards like which is like similar but it doesn't work at that point because again uh they've kind of abandoned the strategy and like you get some weird time jump stuff too where it's like three years later with a dirty giving up on life mullet keith or sutherland he doesn't sleep he's just obsessed uh, i'm keith or sutherland i'm a man of principle yeah, I just won't let go. I'm gonna write a children's book, and then, but inside the the fucking book, I'm gonna write my entire plan. <laughs> In the middle of his children's book, just like Rita knows too and much. Thoughts. Oh, I think about you every day. Yeah, this new bitch, she sucks. I, gotta I get, hate her. I gotta go to the command post. <laughs> Fuck, it's so stupid. Like, there's so much of this movie, like that. In the original, it's done right, and then in this one, it's just like we're we're gonna go the other way, and it's like I, I guess I kind of understand what you're saying, where you're sympathetic for George, uh, old George Saluzier. Uh, but man, it sucks. Like there's there's so many things too that don't make sense. Like in this one, they show him he's like giving a story, and he's like, and then I realized uh, it's not that I need the strength or that they need to be stronger. It's that I need to be weaker. And then he like puts his cast on. It's like, but they never showed him like attempt no. to do something strong with the cast. He doesn't even have a trailer for his yeah. car. In this movie. So it, I, none of it I, makes fucking sense. I, see, it's I like, just why thought I st- that? See, I thought I stopped paying attention. I missed that part. But then I'm like, now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh no, they, they're, this is just garbage. It doesn't make any sense. Well, the one time he does get a girl in, in the car, like that, the scene that's kind of the same. It's not for a trailer. She's like fi- fixing his like radio. <laughs> And it's like, what kind of sense does that make? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, mm-hmm. why is that in this fucking thing? I don't yeah. get it. Um, yeah. So in here we got uh, Sandy Bullock. She's like, after like, she's like, you want a beer or something? Uh, and I'm well, like, uh, you, for the road while you're drinking and driving, mm-hmm. you want you want some of that? Because that's an American thing. I always forget that. Yeah, convenience stores have beer, so you, mm-hmm. you can literally have one for the road. Um, that one thing I think that was definitely missing though, from the original film, uh, there was not enough Dairy Queen and McDonald's signage. Um, and, and so much Dairy and, and, Queen. And in general, I think there's not enough McDonald's and Dairy Queen signage in thrillers at all. So, uh, step up your game, uh, filmmakers. You know, what's more thrilling than any movie going into one of those places like McDonald's and really plowing it down. And then the drive home trying to get there in time. That's a thrill ride, baby. 
Hmm. That's an emotional roller roller coaster. Yeah, I can uh, talk. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can talk good. Yeah, yeah. There's my note here about giving up on life. Mullet. Uh, it's just like, yep, because that's what happens. Uh, we get a good line here. Uh, Mel Gibson doesn't return my calls from the uh, surly uh, waitress. I loved that. That's so. And that's so ninety three. I, I loved it, man. It, nothing spoke to me more. Than hearing something like that. Lethal Weapon 2 probably just came out. He was flying high. Uh, is that where the one star for this movie comes from, probably? No. Oh, from the Mel Gibson talk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really dislike this movie, man. Like, for a lot of reasons. Like, mm-hmm. So, w- we talked about the ending, uh, where I think the ending is such, like, such horseshit, where it's like, they just totally... I think the ending in, in like, the original is so... Not unique, but, like, so... Like, it just really hits you. And then this one, it's like, yeah, we're just going to do away with it. Western audiences, they can't handle a loss. They need a win here. But I feel like they could have, or it's like, we just got to do something different. It's like, all right, you know what would have been really funny, Jared? Uh, I mentioned this on my letterbox review. Mm-hmm. It would have been funny if he was like, all right, here's where the coffin is. And she dug it up and opened the coffin. But it was like the the other girlfriend from three years before and you just see like a decayed sandra bullock (laughs) and then he's over because he would be over top of the hole and he'd be like ha got you and then he would like hit her with the shovel that's and he would say gotcha (laughs) gotcha oh gotcha sucker uh Uh, there is the line where he goes i hope you like roast beef (laughs) hope you like roast beef and he says it with a smile too he's just like like is that like why is that funny he's like (laughs) He's like, I really hope I know this guy hates roast beef, so I made him a roast beef sandwich. Oh god. So, so speaking about like horrendous performances, mm-hmm. this movie's packed full of like that like his daughter in this movie, Barney's oh, yeah. daughter, she sucks. Like even for like it, little kid actors, like man, she's just like cuz there's like you have a movie, you already have the template of like what the yep. line readings for this movie should be, and they just like, "Nah, let's just shake it up. Let's just make this as yep. bland and poor as possible got your nose don't you don't you know got your nose don't you know got your nose is is this fucking tommy (laughs) wiseau don't you know got your nose i think the delivery of that stuff is so like it's so bad too because like because there's like that nice moment and then it's like are you it's like you should have an affair or something and then or it's like are you having an affair she asked and then in this one it's just hey you should probably have an affair i hate mom mom fucking sucks and he's like, got your nose. Don't you know, got your nose? <laughs> None of it makes sense, Jarrett. Uh, yeah, then we get the uh, anagram garbage show where like Rita's like trying out anagrams because oh, there's this throwaway sorry. line about like, oh, he's really into anagrams. anagrams. And then it's like, oh, the password to log in must be an anagram. I'm going to try my name first. Nope, doesn't work. Hmm, maybe the anagram's for his long missing girlfriend oh and it is and her name boils it down to vanish at vanish her some whatever it is well i was gonna say it's only like part of her name too it's not even all the letters in her name so it's not even a real anagram no it's it's this this is a quite quite the motion picture (laughs) hey you know what's like a good version of this story that's like an american Mm. version of this that's way way better uh breakdown with kurt russell it's oh, like okay. it's very Take similar. Your word it's, for it's, it. it's the idea of like a, a guy and his girl. They're they get split apart and on the highway, and uh, she disappears, and he's trying to find her. That mo- mm. movie's oh, you'd love it. You 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 like the breakdown. I'm we'll telling. You'll see. You'll see. 
Hey, you you know what else? The last thing I have to say about this remake, maybe not the last. Oh, I, I've but, got oh, I've got more shit to say. Okay, you want to hear one thing that really fucking upset me in this movie? What's that? At the start, where he like chloroforms himself and knocks himself out. Yep. Uh, oh well, by the way, in in the uh, original one, like they show that he's like a chemist or whatever, and he's like doing equations on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. I bet if you looked up what that equation was, I bet it would be like chloroform or something, because that would have been like a nice another little note yeah maybe maybe it's not who knows anyways so in the remake he's like chloroforming himself and the fucking hand that comes into screen it doesn't look like his hand it's like this really old person hand and it's super fucking huge like it doesn't fit his face or his body at all it doesn't make sense i swear to god it is not his hand it's somebody else's hand i, I hope you took screenshots of these I, things. oh i did i did okay, i'll put them uh, out there later good, good it's not his hand yeah. i don't know what what it is like it, it's the weirdest fucking thing okay so you, you want to hear like i what i think this film's biggest crime is I mean, I'm not even talking about the end. I'm not even talking about like the fucking blown ending. This is the one that actually makes me mad, um, in like a way that I'm actually not mad, but it's just like eye rollingly like, oh, this movie sucks. The most horrifying scene from the original Vanishing is for <laughs> me is when Saskia is getting chloroformed. That's like so uh, yeah. that, that that is fucked up. Like it's yep. so scary because it's so realistic because it's exactly mm-hmm. what it would be like for like a woman to be like yeah i'll help i'll, I'll begrudgingly get into your car because i see you've got a photo of your family and they look really nice and like yeah well this guy's normal and then you sit down and go fuck now i'm dead and raped and all these horrible things are going to happen to me um her like eyes like she's like making eye contact with raymond and like her eyes are like like oh my god i'm so goddamn scared uh, please let me go i like please don't kill him like it's like all that whole range of emotion but they make eye contact because mm-hmm. you're like trying to like make a connection with the person doing this to you, even though they've already made the decision by the time they've done this that they're like, I sorry, like mm-hmm. I've already gone this far. We're not coming back from it. So let, let's just like fuck that up here too, and uh, let's mm-hmm. like just it's just like done this generic thrillery way. It's not like, not memorable at all. The eye contact thing, nah, let's not do that. Let's just like it's just. Oh. This that's the pinnacle of how this movie is a failure. Doesn't it have uh, one of those? It does it a couple times in this movie where it's like a triple zoom in, where the it like this yeah. scene cuts and it's like yeah. a little it's, closer, yeah, and then it cuts just, again and yeah. it's a little closer. Yeah, it's not just holding the scene on it and just like no. like letting the horror sink in without sound or music or, or like not there's sound but there's no music. Mm-hmm. Oh, driving it home, Jerry Goldsmith style. Yeah, no, it's such a so blown. This movie blows. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, it blows big time. But I laughed a lot. Uh, I was laughing pretty good as this movie started like winding down and it got into like the stupid thriller slasher territory of um, you get when uh, when uh, Jack Bauer uh, his mm. his reaction to being buried alive and like the whole like punchline of like how like how fucked up the other movie is. We get mm-hmm. Jack Bauer going no, <laughs> like it's just like this hilarious. <laughs> No, and and he's like, things fine with it, like really quickly. Mm-hmm. He's just like, huh? Oh, I guess that's that. I guess and, I'm dead. And then they were like, oh, let's get past that though, because that's not the ending. Even though it's like, Jesus Christ, it's so messed up. When you mm-hmm. watch the original, you're like, oh fuck. Like, yep. yeah. Not only is like mysteriously disappearing like really horrifying, but also the idea of being buried alive in a coffin, that's mm-hmm. pretty fucked up too. And nah. Nah, let's not play that up. We don't need that. Well, we just watched that Ryan Reynolds movie. 
Uh, buried? Yeah. Yeah, that movie's not bad. It's not too bad. It's not bad, um, yeah. So, okay. There's the whole bit earlier on in this movie with, uh, I'm just going to start calling him Jack Bauer. Uh, Jack Ooh. Bauer beats the shit out of uh, Jeff Bridges, like, real bad. Like, he's laying in shots to the ribs, tossing him down flights of stairs because he's pissed off that this guy's just shown up and admitted, <laughs> I, I kidnapped your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's beats him up and he's like fine like he's like kind of roughed up and his face is all puffy and stuff like that it's mm-hmm. a, i guess that's like okay good they sold out a bit but then when it comes down to like when barney like comes to grab rita in the woods <laughs> he she just like knocks him out with one shot for like yep. like uh for you know 15 seconds flash knockout he's just like out and you're like wow rita really nailed him with that huh <laughs> Um, that's how movies work Jared. then wrote this note in all caps why am I laughing out loud at the end of this movie uh, Jesus Christ <laughs> Jeff Bridges going all schnobberob brother you won't understand that mm-hmm. reference mm-hmm. back in the day a friend of mine we made these movies uh, about just Eastern European uh, stereotypes before Borat got there and uh, oh, <laughs> and really uh, yeah but it's just like this. it's like basically when I do like a like yeah just like essentially a racist impersonation of an Eastern European accent uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like what Jeff Bridges is doing, and like it's just—it's so ab- absurd. He shows up at one point with a saw blade, and you're like, uh, "What's he going to do with that?" He's going to start hacking her up while she's alive. <laughs> he tries to cut her head off. Yeah, it, and then he gets jokered, and then he gets also stolen he gets, by J- yeah, Chris Nolan. He gets shoveled to the face. Yeah, and, and he's like, Rawr. and uh, and then we get the big punchline of the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> no coffee, thanks. <laughs> we don't drink that anymore. With, with some ninety soft jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, um, boy, this movie sucks, dude. What a ride! Yeah, yeah, the vanishing's pretty bad, my dude. Make mine spore loose. Yeah. Oh, we don't drink coffee anymore. <laughs> and then it's like a, a camera on the fan moving ahead, just spinning because yeah. it goes out into space. <laughs> Fuck, that's bad. Oh. oh, baby. Or so good. Maybe. Do you think people actually like that movie? Uh, I should I should look into that and see who loves the remake. Okay. okay so I'm, I'm I got gonna, that one covered. Okay, so that all being said, uh, who hates Sporlus? Who? Who? Mm-hmm. One star PC DOS. Some interesting yeah. structural elements service a hollow, empty thriller lacking in thrills, catharsis, or feeling of tragedy. When an antagonist's motivation boils down to because, spending an hour's worth of time with them is thoroughly uninteresting. Beep boop. Um, I think that it is good that it's like just because. Hey, Peak DOS, you know what their favorite movie is? Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Hmm. Mm, strong politics. They also gave Scrooge to half star. That seems a little out there. Hmm. Come on, guys. Uh, Celestine, one star. Wow, this was boring and in a foreign language, mm. which I did not know beforehand. <laughs> you, you can't get mad that it's in a foreign language. Uh, Fucking Chud. <laughs> Celestine uh, might be. Uh, the audience that uh the vanishing remake was aimed at possibly we'll see uh they're a fan of get out and the exorcist and inception and princess bride wow princess bride jared they also gave mean girls five stars there you go speed i don't even know what this person's name is the the font's so small merum 
Marum. Yeah, it's a Marum with a period, dude. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't like it. It's complex. Well, you don't um, have to like it. That's what, not what an, we do here. What an absolute boring, uninteresting film. Thanks for wasting my time with that high rating, smiley face. I found essentially nothing to like here with frankly incompetent storytelling and direction paired off with a dull duo for leads. There's a five-minute stretch after The Vanishing where the film looks like it'll be a tense, paranoia-driven thriller and begins to be genuinely terrifying. But uh, Slugier decides to shoot himself in the foot with a stiff flashback to the killer who loses all enigma and replacing it with comically inept villainy, which theoretically could have some nice Hammett-style upturning of expectations. But Slugier is too in love with Blondie to let him fall from his lame sociopath pedestal. I really don't get why this film is ever cited over nearly all of its precedents and subsequent films. If it is just because of the wacky sea getting people all hot and bothered, why not shoot with insomnia, which is much more competently told with more compelling hmm. leads? Hell, even compared to that silly film, Secret Window, which it too has too much in common with The Vanishing, just doesn't stand for me. Uh, insomnia is one of their favorite movies. They oh. like a lot of uh, Hitchcock stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of porn, Jarrett porn, Belladonna Sadness, uh, Caligari, and uh, The Red Shoes, a uh, creep favorite. So this person might be a creeper. Maybe. That's crazy that they didn't like The Vanishing if they're such a big fan of... Other um, the quality cinema. Yeah. Mm, oh, weird. Well, give, give me a second here, RJ. I'm going to find out who loves the remake. Ooh, boop, 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 I, uh, boop, 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 boop. not oh, you. Is that internet noises? Yep, that's me dialing in. Yeah. Um, shampoo ch- cell, five stars. <laughs> I have always and will continue to defend this remake. Everyone got so mad about the plot <laughs> changes, but they gave depth to the Nancy Travis character, where she was just a prop in the original. If that's all that require, if that's all that's required to make this movie five stars. I don't know what to tell you, Shampoo. I don't know what to tell you. Because I will admit that that Nancy Travis is probably the best performance in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like how there's no other challenges. Sandra Bullock's barely in it. Uh, uh, Jack Bauer is like typical Kiefer. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Jeff Bridges is in one of his strangest, like, baddest performances. Uh, oh, four and a half stars from. Wait, wait, wait. S- okay. Shampoo sells. Loves Beetlejuice and Heathers. <clears throat> but I'm also seeing some weird trends between people who hated the original Vanishing and this movie. They all love Get Out, <clears throat> and they all hate Lady Bird, hmm. which seems really weird. <clears throat> My voice went. I don't know what's happening. S- Keep going. Seems pretty woke to me. Sofa uh-huh. Cinema, four and a Ooh. half stars. Complex, tense, and perversely funny. Often overlooked because of the comparisons to the original Dutch release. There you go, Dutch. There uh, it is. Yeah. Layers of the mystery unfold in a playful manner that is never overbearing or frustrating. This expertly scored and edited film seems ahead of its time in its portrayal of a Gone Girl. Yeah, mm. I've seen that one get dropped a lot. People really like. Remember when people talked about Gone Girl? And people still do. I heard someone the other day say it was their favorite movie. I'm not even kidding you. That's interesting. I saw that and I thought it was okay. And mm-hmm. I haven't thought about it since. Uh, and a clumsy and conflicted antagonist. Jeff Bridges is one of my favorite actors. And from now on, I'll find it hard not to think about this one when I hear his name. Uh, 
so the Sofa Cinema, they uh, their current favorite movies are just all Burt Reynolds stuff. But you know what movie? You know what other movies they hate, Jarrett? What? They gave two. They've only ever given two half star ratings: Alien Covenant and Wet and Wild Summer from 1992, directed by Maurice Murphy. Hmm. It's about Australian surfers. <laughs> I don't know. It looks okay to me. I don't know what the problem is. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, one more here. Why not? Alex DeWing. This is my kind of horror film. Not poltergeist, guts, or gore. Just an incredible slow burn that puts you in the place of the protagonist, <laughs> Jeff. Desperate to know what happened to Diane Shaver, there is a deeply uncomfortable atmosphere running through the film, which makes this horror so compelling and has a very satisfying climax, with the plot taking a climb chilling turn in the third act. And simply great to see a kick-ass and sleuth-like female character in Rita whose arc was the most satisfying to watch. Um, this all sounds fake to me, you know. It's, it does sound fake. Yeah. Uh, their favorite movie is Shape of Water, and they don't have a lot of hated movies other than uh, Zoolander Two and Mission Impossible Two. Huh. Seems seems weird. Yeah. Well, that's it. We've we've given the voice to people. We've heard both sides of it. Um, yeah. I I I stand by uh, my conclusions. Hmm. I stand by all the opinions that I mentioned earlier in the show tonight yeah. that I'm not going to repeat to you now. Perfect. After the break, um, I am going to not think about disappearing or loved ones disappearing because it'll just send me into a spiral of things I can't control because it's, it's irrational to think this way. Um, yep. Hey, quit being weird. <laughs> RJ, are you going to be working on your uh, creepy bum chin goatee? Start kidnapping women? Well, there's this guy I know that has this goatee, and uh, he works at the university, and he's uh, he kidnaps women a lot, and uh, I'm just trying to emulate him. Cool. <laughs> Do you know him? <laughs> I hope not. His name's JFD. Oh, my God. Goatee. I don't have a goatee. I see that goatee poking out from over here. This is like uh, Mr. Burns and his sideburns. I said shave Maddenly. I said shave those sideburns. That's right. You can email us at criterioncubes at gmail.com and tell us your Simpsons references that are now like really, really old. Um, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. we got a Patreon page. we got YouTube. 
We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that shebang. Mm-hmm. Next week, RJ, Spine oh. 134. We are going way back in time. Still all over in Europe. 1922. Benjamin Christensen's Haxon. Haxon? Yeah. Haxon. I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, I think we're just going to watch that original. I don't know if we're uh, going to watch that uh, William S. Burroughs narrated uh, jazz version from like 1964 or whatever the fuck. Cause, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's different. Uh, I mean, I've never actually really watched it because I would rather watch yeah. the original. Because... I'm a bit of a fan of this film, RJ. I like I like this I, I like I like this one. Am I gonna have to shit on this next week? I hope not. It's pretty cool. But hey, here's some big news. Whoa. That William S. Burroughs uh, thing is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I might I might watch that. Well this movie is like you know, like almost hundred years old now. Oh and, uh, it is and, actually in very public domain. So this is readily available on YouTube. Hmm. I actually do have the DVD of this. Uh, I'm gonna watch it on Canopy, where it will be high quality. That is, there you go. That is tight. Tight. Well, good night, folks. Don't um, don't go missing because we won't even know because you don't email us. That's a good point. No one will know that you're gone if you stop if you don't email. Mm-hmm. You need to have some contingency set up here. That's right. Got to check in. Mm-hmm. Let us know you exist. Just let us know anything, dude. So we can become obsessed and try to find you. I am obsessed. I'm going to find that person who wrote that bad review. (laughs) Good night.